Broadcasting from a radioactive bunker deep inside the bracket compound, this is Show Spoilers, Episode 26, Game of Thrones Season 8, Episode 4, the title only known now immediately after the episode as Game of Thrones 71. (laughs) I'm your host, Kevin Brackett, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Brad Hyen. Hey, Brad. Hey, Kevin. How's it going? Oh, it's going fine. I'm tired. I don't know. Maybe, (laughs) I don't know if if it's just like the show and we're getting to the end and there's so much to take in and so much happening, or maybe it's just me having a long weekend. I don't know, but like, I'm, I'm starting to feel kind of worn down. Yeah, it has been a long weekend. Um, and the episode tonight, like I, I loved every bit of it, but it, I, I think that uh, it, 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 it was a longer episode. It, it felt a little long at times, but uh, there's a lot that they uh, uncovered, and I'm ready to dive into it. Yeah, absolutely. Like this, I feel like this episode really put us through the ringer, and we'll get into why. But I, I experienced a lot during this one, so I am also excited to talk about it. But before we do that, let's get into our shameless plugs. Of course, we'd love for you to follow us on all our social media, so you can follow the show on Twitter at all the spoilers, and of course, you can email us your thoughts, theories, corrections. We always love hearing from you. So head over to our email. That's at theshowspoilers at gmail.com. The very important. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kevin R. Brackett. And Brad, you're over on Facebook, right? Yeah, I'm mostly on Facebook uh, in the Real, Real Spoilers League of Show Shares. I'm, you know, shooting crap about movies all the time. I have reactivated my Twitter, but I barely use it. So you could find me on there if you want to. It, uh, at Heineken, H-E-Y-E-N-I-K-I-N. And of course, uh, for all of you that are listening, if you haven't subscribed yet, we would love for you to subscribe to the feed. You can do that on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you find your podcast. We should be on all the major podcast providers. But if you subscribe to us and if you can give us a five-star review, that helps tremendously when people are scrolling for new podcasts about the shows that they love. If they see more reviews and more high-star reviews, of course, they're more likely to give us a shot. So please let people know that you enjoy the show and Enjoy the discussion. Leave us a little review. We do appreciate it. But without further ado, I think that's pretty much it. So let's jump into Game of Thrones 71. Let's do it. This was the aftermath of the Battle of Winterfell. I guess let's just start off with our initial uh, reactions, Brad. I'm going to go to you first. What did you think of this episode? Uh, I liked it. I, I was happy to see it going um, somewhere new besides Winterfell um, for the last uh, two weeks. I don't think we've seen anything in King's Landing, any Cersei, any Kyburn, any of what's going on there. Or Euron is another big part of it, or even the Iron Islands, which we didn't go to tonight anyway, so no sense in bringing that up. But um, it was more of like a, a fully like encompassing episode of Westeros and what, who's doing what, where, and even if we weren't at the Iron Islands, we heard that Yara's taking it back and you know ready to fight for Danny. And overall, I really liked it. There were some uh, shocking moments, the some really shocking moments actually that I didn't see coming. But yeah, we always do. That's what we're here to do. I agree with you. I really liked this episode. The thing about it for me, I'm I'm trying to think because, of course, like I mentioned earlier, this is an initial reaction. So we haven't had a lot of time to soak this in. We get these episodes recorded right away. We haven't been reading and theorizing and and, uh, discussing it uh, before we get on the mic with you. So our opinions are coming right off the episode. And so I'm still trying to put my finger on exactly what it was. And I think I have a decent idea. But this episode felt like Game of Thrones to me. And I know that might be silly because, of course, we've been watching Game of Thrones. We watch Game of Thrones every week, technically. But this episode is more of what I come to expect after, you know, seven full seasons of Game of Thrones. Sure. Everything about this episode, and I'll tell you why. So 
even though this episode was less action packed than last week's episode, which was of course touted as the longest battle in history and this crazy hype and lead up and everyone's talking about the battle of Winterfell. Uh, the official title is the long night, but I guess the only reason that gets confusing is there is an official battle in game of Thrones called the battle of Winterfell. So if you're familiar with the lore, that's why there's a little conflict there. So it's not officially the battle of Winterfell, but that was a big action packed episode. But to me, the stakes never felt real. Once once our characters, and we went in in-depth last week, but once the characters kept avoiding death and everyone on the front lines just magically reappeared in the next scene they showed up in, like it, it just didn't make a lot of sense. And so halfway through the episode, it's like, okay, they're not really taking anyone out. And so there's been a lot of discussion online, and, and we yeah. can go into that somewhere else. But <laughs> but to me, that episode missed the mark and that they set them up in these impossible situations and didn't take anyone out. And I'm not saying I want my beloved characters to die because I love these characters, but don't put them in impossible, and the operative word is impossible situations, and then have them magically escape without showing us how or why. It just, it, so the logic wasn't there. Now, what this episode did, it was slower, there was celebration, people were happy, they were celebrating their victory. But if Game of Thrones has taught us anything, Whenever things seem too good to be true, they, they are. usually are, yeah. right? <laughs> and so this was one of the most unnerving and stressful episodes because it was the aftermath of this huge battle that we just saw fought. And all these soldiers and men died on the front line. And we have characters, oh, celebrating and drinking and being happy. And, you know, hail to the king of the north and the queen of the north and this and that. And you're just like, there is no way this is ending well. And so I was so stressed out and anxious, but not in a bad way, but in a like enjoyable television way. I was so stressed out for all the characters in this episode and things hit us out of left field, just like you said. And that, I mean, think about the times where we've celebrated before after, you know, how about the red wedding? That seemed like a, a nice celebration for a while. Like those are the moments in game of Thrones where you think you're safe and you think things are happy and they knock you for a loop. And this episode did just that with a, a pretty long setup too. And uh, I appreciated that. I appreciated that they kind of threw us off because the last episode for as much action as they filmed, it just kind of fell into this place of predictability and, and it didn't really seem surprising as much as this episode where you knew something was going to happen, but you had no idea what it was. Right. Right. Like last episode, um, there were, you know, seasons of buildup for this great war against you know, the white walkers, but we never really got uh, a lot of development regarding the white walkers. I mean, we, we saw, you know, they, they were approaching and all that, but it, in, in hindsight, you know, when it got back to being game of Thrones tonight, we you know with all the, you know, political moves and, and strategy, strategizing to get the iron throne and all that. Yes. It, it almost felt like last episode while, while at, like you said, action packed and had some really, really cool moments. Like who's ever going to forget Arya, you know, taking out the night King, but it almost felt like last ep- last episode was just kind of like an action beat filler, you know, in between, you know, the episodes that we're used to seeing for, for eight seasons straight. Exactly. I could not agree more. And that's, I think that's really the problem because I love this show. You know, I love the show. We wouldn't be doing a podcast about it if we didn't love this show. And, uh, I want to love every moment of it, but last episode, it's just weird to think of that. The longest action sequence in history left a lot of people feeling empty. But if you think about it, the, I mean, some of the biggest blockbuster action packed movies out there, 
can be a little boring and it's weird because it's counterintuitive, but just straight action doesn't make something great. Like saying you have the longest action sequence while you could do it very well. And maybe you could make an incredible longest action sequence ever, but just having a runtime doesn't make something great or good or, or enjoyable. And so I think where that left a lot of people feeling empty, like you said, it's, the thing that excites me about Game of Thrones is the Game of Thrones. Right. That's what I'm here for. I'm here for the power struggle. I'm here for how the hell are we going to get Cersei off the throne? I'm here for Varys. <laughs> yeah, she's and, not you moving. Know, <laughs> right. Tonight. <laughs> right. But I'm here for Varys, and I was here for Littlefinger, and I'm here for Tyrion, and what are their strategies? How are they going to attack? How are they going to you know, convince each other or not, uh, you know, how are they going to outdo one another, screw one another over like the strategy and all that. That's what's always interested me. So you nailed it when they got back to that and we got into the war room and discussions of, of planning the attacks and everything. It was like, yes, yes. And, uh, you know, so let's get into the episode. Um, I think again, we can both agree that we really enjoyed it and I think it was a huge return to form. So start us off, Brad. Yeah. We start off with the aftermath, you know, the day after, the morning after the long night immediately the camera's panning up a dead body and i was guessing as it was happening i was like oh that's got to be theon and then realizing you know as it got higher up i'm like okay it's jorah and uh, we got a lot of moments like that where they were we're seeing the characters that we've come to love over the seasons um and characters who were close to them in jorah's case danny and then theon sansa was mourning over him and everybody had kind of had a moment with the uh with the, the departed um Beric and Arya who Beric uh, gave his life to to protect her and his last life because he's been rezzed how many times? But um, right. you know Sam and uh, Ed and uh, Liana uh, and John. I mean everybody had like a morning, uh, specific morning uh, scene with with these with these characters, and then we got a big uh, a big funeral eulogy from John with like he's so great at doing, and uh, you know burning those bodies is how, how the, long do you think it took them to gather all those bodies and build all those that's pyres exactly what megan asked is like, okay oh, because <laughs> they, i mean and they did it so so i mean of course it's a funeral so they want to be respectful and everything but they did it so perfectly perfectly you know it, <laughs> it was a that was a question that was asked here as well it's like oh, wow i must have taken a lot of manpower to 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 pile those up and do it so perfectly and make it look so good but <laughs> and i'm not knocking no the it's show. not a i mean nice. these are That's these are these are just observations right. it's yeah exactly and then yeah yeah from there we go to uh, the celebration they and they know what they've done as as is huge um winning that 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 battle that they were certainly outnumbered for and you know with that fantastic last minute jump from aria there's so much funny bits in this in this dinner scene where you, oh, you, you mean laughing? torment yeah torment especially you know <laughs> but i was laughing at the i think the first thing asked was, was gendry uh asked about Arya. i was like oh are gendry is like looking for Arya right away after you know their encounter a couple episodes ago yeah had a little laugh about that but yeah torment especially i mean he's just killing it in every scene this season he's just remarkably funny they know that he's a fan favorite and yeah, people absolutely. love Tormund. Like they're like they not being yeah, sh- yeah they're not being shy about it. Speaking of Gendry, a lot of people uh, when I when I ask my friends around about who uh, who they think to be on the throne, I was like, well, he's a descendant or a, a son of Robert Baratheon. He's got claim to it, but um, I never really took him as a viable contender just because of him being a bastard. I mean, but, I thought maybe in about season six, that's where I thought they were going with it. But Yeah, but then he's just been kind of in the background the whole time. And mm-hmm. I'm like, it'd be really weird in season eight to just bring him out in the forefront and make him king. But uh, Danny has uh, other things in mind and makes him uh, 
you know, unbastardize them. And if that's the right word to use there, um, <laughs> I forget. I, I forget what well, the, she uh, gave him a title. A title, but there's. <laughs> There's a there's a term for for um I, I don't we'll just remember. call it unbastardizing. That's fine. <laughs> and uh, makes him the lord of, of Storm's End, and uh, she has this little dialogue with Tyrion. Like he realizes, you know, that was a really clever move, and she kind of has this uh, this uh, this moment. Where it's like, oh, you thought you were the only clever one. So could you imagine in real life people being that dramatic about things? Like like how like messing with them that badly because the way she calls him over, she's it's like she's making it seem like you know whose son are you and now who has the claim to the throne because he's dead and like you know the way she built it up because it was obviously a head fake to the audience yeah i think she she was was gonna trying to demonstrate you know still that she's in charge because you see in a few you know a few seconds later that like everybody is circling around john because you know john's just a natural charismatic leader that everybody is is uh flocking around and, and supports and i think these little things that she does or the, at least the way that she does them it's still showing her audience that like yeah don't forget yeah 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 i i i agree she does it just it struck me as interesting because it it was it was definitely i think a head fake for the audience in the dramatic effect but i was thinking in his shoes i mean he looked scared crapless too so she was definitely demonstrating that power and everyone I mean, they look over at davos right a couple times and davos is like uh you know, he kind of like, eased the tension a little bit too by by congratu- being the first to, to toast him when it happened sure. but i really liked one thing they did when they when she made that announcement was they made the choice to put it on jamie's face cuz jamie had no idea that robert had any heirs left you yeah, know, so I, seeing his yeah. reaction to it was, you know, as bewildering as it was to see Bran Stark when he first showed up at Winterfell, you know. <laughs> Huge moment for him, though, because he's been kind of up in the air, like we mentioned, and, you know, he was gone for a while, and then he came back, and he's doing his blacksmith thing, but yet you have this huge you have this huge uh, question mark of of the, someone that could be seen as an heir to the throne. Right. And I like that they addressed it. It's like, well, not let's not only address it and get this out of the way, but let's take care of it. As in, we've, we've solved the problem. He's not a threat anymore. I don't believe he is. I think this is a way of the show saying, yeah. you know, we've got three episodes left. We're not even going to pretend to start struggling with his claim to the throne. So yeah, he has a, he's a Lord. And yeah. And that's one of the themes I think of this episode. There's, a lot of goodbyes um in, in two for a lot of characters like Tormund as we get further in the episode he he wants to take the free folk out of there and then Sam says goodbye to John as John starts heading to King's Landing and um it feels like a lot of goodbyes for characters with with strong relationships in the show it's it's surprising that it's surprising with these big characters to be saying goodbye because there were a lot of goodbyes in season two and I or I'm sorry in episode two and I think that's what also kind of threw us for a loop because they also goodbye in episode, episode two, two. Yeah. and here they are in episode four saying hello again so right. we didn't really see anyone die that was saying goodbye in that great episode two so I think I wasn't in my mindset like ready for another set of goodbyes, but really there's only two episodes after this, after sure. these goodbyes. And so I think that we're going to catch back up with them in different spots, but I really don't think that we're going to see them in, in together again. Yeah. Some of them again. Yeah. Like, like what I was getting at with Gendry was like, they can make him Lord of Storms end, and that could be, he's done like Arya, which we'll get into. Arya shoots him down and says, because uh, he, he wants to be with her. He wants, when he finds out the news, he takes, he goes straight to Arya, uh, who's not celebrating with everybody, by the way. She's down shooting arrows um, and wants to take her with him as his wife. And she shoots him down as, as pleasantly as she can to, you know, 
to which is a surprise to no one because yeah, you she know is that she's no not going to be yeah. a lady. She exactly. she doesn't want to she doesn't want to sit at someone's side as they rule a, a castle or a, a, any. It's it, it's just not her thing. She's right with everything that she's learned and and with her fighting and everything. And she says it very well. Her her line is that she's she's I think she says I'm not a lady and I never was something like yeah. that. That's not yeah. me. Yeah, which is so true to what we've seen since the very beginning. And and that's where I think that Gendry's story kind of ends. I don't know what else I could do with him besides fight alongside with him, but I don't know. Um, we've seen him, you know, swinging, swinging the ag- or the hammer that he had and all that, That and he's he's done his fighting, but as far as the battle for King's Landing, um, I mean, he could be part of it if they want to throw in him for whatever reason, hopefully not just to kill him, but, yeah. like, I mean, that could be his send-off. Like, it, it felt like, a, here's here's your your rewards for being loyal to us and being Bar- uh, Robert Baratheon's son, um, you know, off with you now for <laughs> so much. The show basically saying we're done with you, but it's hard to say until we get there. But again, I think what it really was, was a tie up of that, uh, the loose thread of him having claim to the throne. Yeah. I think we've addressed yeah, that makes it. No that sense. He's not going to be fighting for it. No one else is going to be, but he's Robert's best. It's, it's like, it's, it's addressed. It's done. He's the Lord of a castle. Now he, he is, he's loyal to the queen obviously. And it, it's not an issue. So yep. it's like, at least that that's tied up now, whether or not he fights, I don't know if he's going to command some soldiers or just be on the front lines. We'll have to see but uh the other goodbyes like you said at Tormund's like we're we're sick of I I thought it was kind of funny where he's like you know I'm I'm sick of the south and and John's yeah. like this is the, <laughs> this north. Is the north but for they're, them I guess not they're as from, north as it is for right them, they're yeah. from very north so this the north is south to them <laughs> and uh you know but he's like you know my people are tired and they want to be home and this isn't home so he's saying goodbye and then with Sam I, I that was kind of confusing to me because I'm thinking well where's Sam going I I was kind of thinking that he would be around yeah, I think he's staying around Winterfell, but I believe that John and them are going down to King's Landing. Right. There's no reason for Sam to go down there. So, I mean, if if, if last episode taught us anything, <laughs> right? And no we know reason. that the whole the whole series, <laughs> Sam's not a fighter. He's gotten better, but at, yeah. at heart, he's he's not a fighter. So, with John going down to King's Landing and possibly never coming back, yeah, you know, that makes it, it sense. just it seemed like a goodbye. And then, of course, uh, which I mean, we're way before that all this happens, but uh, Ghost. John oh. just kind of tells Tormund to take Ghost with him because direwolves don't belong in the north, or at least their north, yeah, um, in Westeros. And it was, it was kind of. I mean, it was already kind of screwed up because he's had Ghost by his side from the beginning. But the fact that like he didn't even, and our friend, my friend Melissa said on on that post that I made that like he didn't even say goodbye, and that little whimper that Ghost. Did. It was like it was it was heartbreaking. This, this is really a weird decision, and I don't think we've seen the last of Ghost. I think I don't I think either. Th- I think this again was set up for dramatic effect, and I I just I really don't like it when they do that because it doesn't feel real. Like this is the kind of manufactured thing. What they're doing, I mean, mark my words on this. What they're doing is you're supposed to forget about Ghost because Ghost has been sent away, and so when Jon Snow's on the battlefield and and Ghost jumps in yep. and saves him, and Ramin yep. Jawadi plays up the music with this real <laughs> emotional thing. You're like, oh my God, yes! Ghost is back! But it's like, it's so silly, because in in real life here, you've got Ghost, who is a present from Ned Stark, who, like you said, has been by his side. Who's it symbolizes him as a Stark, too. symbolizes well. the Stark family. That's the reason why, from the very beginning, why they even have the dire wolves, because, oh, it's a symbol of House Stark and all this, Well, I right? guess this is kind of a symbol of him 
kind of given up the Stark name too for for Targaryen, right? Like, he, I mean, he still but considers Sam, I, or I Sansa and Arya as family, but like this whole yeah. episode, he's 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 balancing like trying to be by Danny's side, but support Sansa but, and Arya too, who are completely against her. But I disagree with that because this is what I was saying the entire episode because I was talking with my wife Katie during the the about this. But he's just as much Stark as he is Targaryen. Absolutely. Yeah. So that doesn't make any sense. He's not trying to go, leave and be a Targaryen. He's That's true. he's struggling with the balance between the two. But he isn't giving up one or the other because he because when he especially when he's like when when they're later on when they talk about you know but you're you're our brother or you're a Stark or this and that and he's kind of like you feel that he's like, Oh, but I'm not really, but it's like, yeah, you are really, you are you just were as raised much that, that way. Yeah. You're raised that way, but you're just as much by blood. You're just because it's not, you know, Ned, you've been, a, you've been a knowingly a Targaryen for like three episodes, dude. Chill. Yeah. <laughs> but you're also Lyanna Stark's son. Who is, right. I mean, so it, that doesn't make sense to me, but the, the biggest frustration about it was again, besides from the manufactured emotion of the whole thing, when we know ghost is going to come back and save him later is that, Again, I guess just going back to my point earlier is that you've been raised. It's a huge symbol. You've you've known this direwolf, and then for three episodes straight, we don't we've even really seen see Ghost him, pop you know? up, but they don't even address him. He doesn't pet him, good boy. He doesn't say okay, and he doesn't get emotional when sending him off either. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's what, so we we haven't seen him say word one to Ghost. No one right. has even mentioned that there's a direwolf on the battlefield in Winterfell. No one's mentioned one thing about Ghost. The first time in episode four, four episodes now in a row that he's been back <laughs> is to send him away. Yeah, it's like, it, what? It, it just seems so. I feel like the showrunners are just messing with us at this point. Like, oh, Maybe. you guys wanted Ghost? You wanted yeah. Ghost? Here he is for three episodes. Here, episode four, you're going to really like this. <laughs> so not a huge... I mean, this it doesn't by any means ruin the episode for me no, or anything. But, but it was a moment. I mean, the least... If he's going to send him away and do all this, the least he could have done was pet the damn dog right, and say, right. good boy, thank you. You know, I just... I don't know. It was It was weird. We'll see where it takes us, but yeah. Well, I, we know I, where it's going to take us. It's a it's a head fake. It's all yeah. to, to make you forget that he's there. Yeah, I think yeah they'll all maybe they'll all come down. They're rushing in like the like the Knights of the Vale and at the Battle of the Bastards, and when that's, all hope that's, is lost, you know. But that's been done so many times now that it's I don't know. We'll but see. But that's that's my guess too, because one of the reasons going back to Tormund saying goodbye with all these goodbyes we're talking about. See, I never thought that they would be leaving at least until until this was all done. So their their armies are already depleted. They you know they've lost half of their forces in this huge battle, which I mean that seems light. I would have thought they would have lost way more than half, but they I think they yeah. said they lost half. And now you've got the wildlings going back, and so I'm thinking I thought that they were kind of with them for the entire battle, but I guess the wildlings were only there for the you know, to fight the whites and the night King and, and now their battle's kind of done. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I guess they're just, it doesn't feel like home. I think Tormund said it doesn't feel like home, but like the fact that like the wall's down now, like it's like the North is the North, but yeah, well, I, I don't know what the, uh, you know, the politics of it are. Maybe it just, they don't, it's like Tormund says, it feels too warm for him, even in the North as they know it, you know, they're still used to oh, being sure. further up North. I, and I never doubted yeah. that they would go home eventually, but I guess my thought was they're so close. Like they have one more battle and it's the, for King's Landing. Right. And so I, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, the wildlings will be, will now move on to that fight. But 
Tormund's like, yeah, we're, you know, we're good. I don't know if he wants to go any further south, though. Well, I mean, they're not snowmen. They're not going to melt. I get that. They're not, <laughs> I get that they're not comfortable in the further south they go, and it doesn't feel like home. But again, they're not like the climate isn't going to kill them. It's not like you know what I mean. It's not that kind of a thing. I like I, they could fight down south if they had to. I'm sure, but um, but yeah, for now at least, for now, unless they show back up, uh, they've lost all the wildling forces. Yeah, and then with the way this episode ends, we'll get into it. How I mean, I think there's going to be a lot more division as well. So, well, that was apparent from the very first scene, really, in the celebration of the hall. So, yeah. meanwhile, while while Danny's there and she's proving or, or you know reinforcing her her presence and her rule you've got sansa over on the side and and there there are all these looks there's sansa yeah. constantly looking at danny sometimes danny's looking over at sansa i mean we've known since the beginning of this season that there is a there's a tension between the two of them and this episode really hammers that home what Very we've been much. thinking that there there's going to be uh, I don't know if you want to call it a rebellion or not, but it's, we're pretty sure at this point that Sansa is not going to respect nope. Danny's rule or her claim to the throne. Not at all. Which is a problem because yep. as we're going to get into with Tyrion when he has this conversation with her, he's like, "There's there needs to be peace and this is our queen and, and there always has been a good relationship between the North and, and the queen. And that's something that I frust- that's frustrating because I understand where Sansa's coming from as much as I don't like that character. But if this is the queen and this is who people are supporting, at least most people are supporting, you have to do what's best for your people. And it doesn't seem like she can... Um, she can't think strategically or politically about it. She's emotionally saying, this isn't our queen. The North wants to be free. You know, she's, she keeps thinking of this. We're Starks and we are not going to bend yeah. the knee and all this, but it's like, do you really want to start another war? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I keep yelling like at the TV, like, come on, you just don't get it. And so I think Tyrion really puts it into good words about, how she needs to think about being. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he talks about the history of how, you know, there's never been a peaceful a peaceful reign where the north and and the south don't get along. Yeah, there has to be some kind of mutual respect for. Them. I don't remember the exact. I didn't really write sure. down quotes from that speech, but yeah, I agree with you completely. He's there trying to cuz he knows Sansa very well or as well as he can and Danny even more so. And he really believes that with 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 Sansa in the north and Danny on the throne that they can peacefully rule together if Sansa will allow it. But well, let's let's talk about let's talk about John and Danny and geez that that scene that tension filled oh scene God. after the celebration. Yeah, it starts at the celebration when Tormund gives a speech. You know, just talking about John and all the feats that he's done. You can see Danny just kind of scathing in the in her seat. It's hard not to feel sorry for her though, too, because I mean. Think of all that she's done, all the armies that she brought, and she really, her battle was for the throne, and she left to bring all her armies and sacrifice half of her armies and most of the... Right, um, exactly. And and it's like, look at what kind of respect or what kind of love is she getting. It's all going to John, and so I can completely sympathize with her, even if I don't agree with how she's been ruling lately. It's like, yeah, you get it. She's, She's like, she's done all this and sacrificed all this, yet... It's, you know, hail to John and he's back from the dead and the king. Yeah. So, you know, and she knows the truth about John at this point. She's one of uh, four people, <laughs> but that changes throughout the episode here. But one of four people that knows John's true heritage. And in her mind, she has this plan, which 
which we're about to get into in the the scene after the party where they're in the bedroom together, have a funny little moment where she asks if he's drunk and he kind of stumbles off the bed. But but she's really concerned about her her claim to the throne. I mean, obviously to her, she knows that she no longer has as much claim as she thought. But she wants John to keep his identity a secret from everyone. Man, this was a powerful scene with yeah. her basically t- giving John an ultimatum. Yeah, basically, um, I wrote down the quote where uh, he says he, that they he doesn't think that they they can live that oh. way or in secret, especially from his family who who you know they've hammered in throughout the several episodes. Arya tells John, "Remember, we're family. You know, re- always remember that." So you know you knew that this tension was coming, and she she straight up says, "We can live that way. I just told you how to do it," and then just walks off. And we were yikes! Like, yeah, we, I mean we it's her like, way or the highway. <laughs> yeah, I I did not expect that because we've been wondering since we found out in episode two before the big battle, he drops that knowledge bomb on her, and then they have to go fight this war. And so it's one of those things that has to be addressed. How are they going to handle it after it's all said and done? And wow, she certainly has an idea and. It was, it's, I, I don't know if it was as much of a threat or if it was like, because what's the alternative? If he, She's saying, here's the way we can be happy. I, I didn't know whether to take it as a, it's this way or we're going to break up or it's this way or we're going to have serious problems. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think they're very much in love with each other and they address that in this episode. So like she wants it, she feels like the only way this could go for her to be happy is, to, and, and to have him and be happy too, because she knows he doesn't want the throne. But, like, she's reminded from Varys or Tyrion or somebody in this episode that it doesn't matter what he wants. It's who the people are going to get behind. And so she's trying to whatever way. And we theorized before the season started, like, or after episode one, that, like, when she finds out that she's not, because after the end of episode one, we realized she didn't know yet. When she finds out that she's not the true heir after seven seasons of buildup, like, She's going to lose her mind, I think. And this episode, you know, she slowly things start happening and she slowly uh, what I think we both agreed on falling into the Mad Queen territory. That's but, exactly what we said when we were watching that she's becoming like her father. It's yeah. she sees everyone around her celebrating and celebrating not her but John and it's not so much she tells John what they need to do for her to be happy she tells John what they need to do for her to keep her throne because yeah. she realizes that she's losing it and th- and this was as you mentioned before her conversation with Varys but it's it's exactly what what we've been theorizing you're right she realizes that if people find out what um if people find out that he's the heir, it doesn't matter. And so various brings up good conversation points with Tyrion later that, that he's a man, which counts for a lot with the Lords and that his claim is just better. So with those two things, even if he doesn't want it, I think Barry says he didn't want to be king of the north in the north either, but they gave it to him. So right. it really doesn't matter what he wants. Yeah, she she basically tells him that like we can't tell anybody, and he he wants to tell Sansa and Arya because like their family they need to know. But she makes him basically swear not to, and then <laughs> like ten minutes later he goes and tells him. At the oh, and this and, oh, and this is so. And then, especially when we get to the Sansa 
part, I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, it's, it's one of those things where if you really don't want anyone to tell your secret, you better not tell anyone because you tell someone right. and they go, hey, I'll tell you this, but you can't tell anyone. Oh, of course. You know, it's right. like, no. And then they're going to go tell into. someone. And then they're like, going to go tell someone. And that's what it turned in from four people knowing this episode to, to at least eight. And then Vera says later as Tyrion and him are discussing, you know, basically questioning their loyalties. Um, because Varys is loyal to the realm and Tyrion's loyal to, to Danny. Um, but it's like, you know, if eight people know, then like the whole realm knows now. (laughs) Yeah. I thought that was kind of funny. And it's like, and I get that from just what we saw here. One person tells someone and they tell two people and they tell two people. If Wayne's world two has taught us anything, it's, it's exponential the way that these things happen. But I also took that as Varys is going to do what's best for the realm, as you said. And if he thinks people need to know, he's the one that's planning on spreading this word. Yeah. Um, and did you think it was weird when he told Arya and, and Sansa that he told Bran to tell them? <laughs> well, well, one that he told Bran to tell him, which was, was weird. I was like, seriously? It, it, just, it seemed like a coward's way to do it. Yes. Because but it's like then, he didn't want to look at them and tell them. But then, two the the right or the directors of or the direction of the episode didn't give us a reaction from them. Did yeah. you think that was kind of cheap, not giving us like I I would want to know how Sansa and I mean we get Sansa's reaction to it kind of when she when she well, the tells aftermath. Tyrion, yeah. But I I wanted to kind of see in that moment how they reacted to John being who he was. But I guess that would have just been screen time that they didn't want to. I don't know. They, I don't know. Apply, where they could apply it somewhere else, I guess. Yeah, I don't know about that. I, I I, wonder if it didn't come. I wonder if they refilmed it. I wonder if they had their reactions and they just couldn't get it right. Like, it, it wasn't the way they wanted it. It never worked out right because it does seem like something very important. And right. I, and the way that they passed it off to Bran, like, like I said at first, and then to your point, the way they didn't even show their reaction to Bran telling them, that seemed like a very odd choice. And it makes me think that that couldn't have been their first, the writer's first choice because it's just weird. It's, it's, yeah. it's something that's so huge and something so important to John. It's, it's either that or what I, my, what I keep going to is that we've already seen it on screen be told to somebody so many times, like Sam tells G- uh, Gilly and then Sam and Bran tell John, then John tells Danny, like how many, True. how many reactions do we need from all the characters to find out? Unless that's, they were going to broadcast it to like a, the whole the whole group or something, you know? I, yeah, no, that's I don't a good know. point. I, I I can see that. I can definitely see that. It, n- just not wanting to bore us, but I guess maybe selfishly, we're thinking like we when we see major characters find out these huge reveals, Revelate, yeah. like we want to see them react to it. But you're right. Either way, we're gonna find out eventually, and we get Sansa's reaction. So we really just and I mean. Arya, we doesn't talk about it, but obviously it seems like she's kind of hightailing it after that. So, yep. I, you know, I we can surmise what we want from that. But, but yeah, at the time, I th- I laughed out loud whenever. I mean, he's like he does the whole thing that just like everybody else does. Like I get, I can tell you a secret, but you have to swear, and he really makes them swear. So of course, you know, if they swear, that's going to make sure they don't tell anyone. <laughs> So the next scene tells Tyrion, but he makes surprise there wasn't a pinky promise, right? He makes them super solemnly swear not to tell anyone, and then as soon as that, he goes to Bran. He's like, "Okay, tell him." (laughs) Like what? (laughs) I just thought it was really funny, but anyway, we don't need to go into it and elaborate it. But eventually, Sansa has that conversation that we talked about with Tyrion, where Tyrion they have this 
I mean, he tries to talk some sense into her, like, this is our queen and we need peace between the North and the throne and blah, blah, blah. And then after that whole conversation where you see that Sansa really isn't having any of it, Tyrion is basically going to walk away and she says, Hey, <laughs> and then she yeah. spills the beans. <laughs> yeah. But um, before we move on from that, we need to rewind a little bit and talk about the beginnings of what happened with Jamie and, and uh, Brienne. They were uh, having a drinking game. You know, Tyrion loves his drinking games at, at the celebration and uh, it gets into the, it gets into the uh, uncomfortable territory with asking um, Brienne, or not really asking, but stating that she's never, she's she's still a virgin. And oh, if another you're stressful wrong, moment. You have to take a drink. But oh. I laughed out loud when Podrick took a gulp immediately. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as soon as he has that question. But uh, yeah, really uncomfortable moment. She leaves, and then Jamie leaves, and Tormund uh, kind of goes on this little heartbreaking rant about his heart being broken, and because oh, she's in love with Jamie and all that, but. <laughs> But ultimately, that leads to uh, to Jamie and Brienne um, getting it on. Yeah, which, which you... I think that's the right way to do it because yeah. I know it's funny with Tormund, but building up over the seasons, the relationship between Jamie and Brienne and and them being together and everything they've gone through, I think that was the only right way to do it, and uh, yeah. it, it just wouldn't have been right her hooking up with Tormund, especially knowing that she's never been with anyone else. So, right, I, I really yeah, like. I think that she has too too much honor too. Not that Tormund's a bad guy, but like, I, I feel like the, it, I, I don't know how to how to word it, but like being like I feel like she sees him as like filthy free folk. You know what I mean? Like that stigma that the free folk have. Well, I don't think she's impressed by him at all, whether or not he's a free folk or whatever. Like she, she is not impressed by his antics. Every time he tries right. to impress and, her, and her heart's already been with Jamie since like season two as well, when she had to escort him for for yeah. Catelyn. Like you know, that's when his arc really began into becoming a better person. And yeah, well, and and also this is, I think, the way it should be, and it also makes the end of this episode even more heartbreaking. Absolutely, it does. Yeah. And then Tormund uh, himself, you know, just the way he's always coming on to Brienne is probably not flattering to her at all. You oh, know? that's what all, I mean. He's, it, it's, yeah. he's the guy at the party puffing his chest thinking he's hot stuff. And <laughs> he's everyone so funny, he's coming on to is like, Brienne's interested. yeah, is yeah. like, I mean, yeah, it's funny to everybody else. And the people he's trying to impress are like, Ugh, get away from me. Then we go to, to Jamie and Tyrion having a kind of a heart to heart scene that the uh, that's not really hard to heart because they start talking about things or he's Tyrion starts asking about things that he shouldn't be asking hook about up, with Jamie yes. and Brienne. Yeah. yeah but, um, but Jamie ultimately... has, has become more honorable now in his redemption yeah, yes. and, and yeah. he is not going to kiss and tell. Uh, exactly. But speaking of Bronn, he shows up yeah. in this scene. Bronn shows up with that crossbow and he, uh, I was wondering where this plot line was going to go, but I feel like it's going to be a, a quick, I mean, it was quick tonight. I, they're not going to spend a whole lot of time on it when they addressed it in episode one or two. Um, this plot line that they wanted to have Bronn go kill Tyrion and Jaime, like we we both knew, like he's not going to kill either one of them, you know. And like Ty- Tyrion said in season one or two, as well, whatever they anybody pays you to kill me, I'll double it. And so what happens here after some some good dialogue and Bronn even shoots an arrow past Jaime's head to show him, I'm not bluffing, like I'm I'm here for the money, um, and, you know, a true sellsword. He uh, br- he says Cersei offered him River Run. And Jane, or, uh, Tyrion told him, well, we'll give you Highgarden. And so now they're on the on the hook for giving Bronn Highgarden once the war is over. I, 
I my guess is Braun is going to be dead before this. They're giving him that turn, like so. Yeah. We we knew that he wouldn't kill Jamie and Tyrion. We were certain right. of it. So I thought that he was going to somehow sell out Cersei, whatever. But it ends up they really did make him into a scoundrel. So I think that yeah. Braun is dead for sure. He's not getting Highgarden. Um, but did you think that this character turn? I mean, I know he's a sell sword and I know he's a scoundrel, but he's also been very friendly and very loyal to Tyrion and Jamie throughout the series. I thought the character turn was a little off-putting i i guess a bit because i i do really like braun so seeing him like this yeah is, me too is is not uh is not ideal but in in the regards to his character like i i, I just want to believe that you know that's what any sellsword would do he's offered river run you know and <laughs> i i don't think he would really kill jamie and and and, and Tyrion for river run um, but I wonder why he didn't heart, just. But, I wonder why he didn't just come back and lay it all out in a nice yeah. way, right? Like, like, hey, Cersei gave me this crossbow. Like, I just, I guess, I, I did not expect him to come in there and actually threaten their lives. I expected yeah. him to come in and say, "This is what Cersei is odd. Cersei's offering. What can you do for me?" And hey, we've all helped each other out and saved each other's lives. Like, we'll give you this. You fight for us. Maybe give us oh, lead our armies into there, like they suggested. All that, and so. And again, that's my expectations, and I don't want to negate this episode because of just my expectations. But I think after the character of Bronn that we've developed, that he really he's kind of the sellsword with the heart of gold. Like he has four sure. of these friendships. It seemed like a huge turn, which I was just like, oh, but yeah. But I think it's because they're going to kill him off. I th- I think that this was this was a way to not feel sorry for him when he dies later because he's he's kind of a jerk now. That makes sense, and I, I could definitely see it playing out that way. I I really don't have any other explanation as to why he's doing. I think it's just something for for Bronn to do. Really, there. I mean, yeah. There's not a whole lot you can do with a sellsword in the in the Game of Thrones here in the last few episodes. Yeah, you know? it's just disappointing, you know. I, I yeah, I don't think they knew what to do with him, and I think it was a way to to kind of get rid of him. And uh, it's 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 a shame though because he's been a lot of fun, and and him and him buddying up with with the Lannisters, uh, you know, the good ones is it's been fun right. to watch. But anyway, so so that's what where we're at with him, and we'll see what happens. Yep, moving on from there, we get a quick scene. There's a lot of quick scenes. I think it's just to show where characters are going and, and you know, some goodbyes and whatnot. Uh, we see the next scene, the Hound and Arya are taking off on their on their horses toward King's Landing. Um, they weren't initially leaving together, but they meet up because the Hound says he has unfinished business, which we can only assume and hope to be Clegane Bowl. Oh, ab- absolutely, because... Against his brother. When, uh, after Tormund is, is turned down by Brienne, he tries to get over that heartbreak with uh, one of the ladies of I, I don't know if that was just a random uh, resident of Winterfell, because I don't think it was a wildling. Yeah. I think they were, uh, you know, women from Winterfell that were interested in the the free folk. But she takes him to the bed and then he basically there's another one there for the hound and he's not interested at all. Right. He, and, uh, you know, cause at first he has to finish his drink and then she's like, okay, you ready to go. <laughs> and then his drink ends up being the entire <laughs> container. Uh, but after that, we, we find out when Sansa sits down and, and that was a, another really good conversation between them. Yeah. About being a little bird, but in yeah. the end, yeah. About her growth and everything. But in the end, 
end, he says, there's only one thing that will make me happy. And he doesn't say it, but clearly it's what the one thing he has left to do is to kill his brother. Exactly. And then he meets up with Arya, who's also on her way out because we know Cersei's on her list as well. So they're going to the same destination. And, and there's very much a sense. I think there's even some dialogue that alludes to the fact that they're not coming back. This is They're on their mission, and that's where they're heading. Going on from there, we got a scene with Danny and her dragons. We see that uh, Rhaegal, or I think yeah, it was Rhaegal, it had had holes in his in his in his wings. Was having a little trouble flying. This was the big um, question mark. If, unless you watched the, on this next week's episode, we never see them after they're what looks like to be mortally wounded after the last right. battle. So we find out that both of the dragons are fine, but as you said, Rhaegal has some damaged wings, and so she's kind of taking them out on a test flight. <laughs> Yep. I think the next thing is the battle, the war room, and uh, their plan to move on King's Landing. Yep, their plan to move on King's Landing. There's a bunch of dialogue there. Um, do you remember any substantial dialogue? That, you know, from the preview, it's uh, Danny saying, we've won the Great War, and now we're, we're going to go take King's Landing. So basically what it all comes down to is their forces are depleted, people are tired, people are hungry, they need to recover, and Danny is uh, very... Oh, yeah. She's very anxious to go Gotta claim go. the throne. Now, now, now. She, she's yep. been... I mean, she's already delayed taking over the throne for this whole battle, which obviously was very important, but she's like, like now it's now it's my turn. You've you I came and helped you guys. Now it's my turn. And so Sansa, Arya, John, Tyrion, Varys, everyone is trying to convince her to slow down. And if you want to move on this, we understand, and we're going to be behind you. But you know we agree with the the Stark girls that these forces need to recover and and at least have some time to get their strength back. And so so we see that Danny is fixated as she always is on this throne. And especially with her feeling like she's losing her grasp. So she says, we're going to move on King's landing. There's, so there's really yeah. not much time uh, to recuperate. So uh, John, and John overrules Sansa. Yeah. John is going, I guess on horseback with the troops. And then their plan is for uh, Tyrion and Varys and the unsullied uh, to go on ship to King's Landing. And then we move on to that ship. Um, the ship scene, all these Targaryen boats are on their way to King's Landing. Great and, scene. Uh, yeah. This is game of Thrones. This is what yeah. we're here for. Let's sail off. It looks like we're, we're on our way. But guess what? There's someone that you've forgotten about. Yeah, someone. Wait, right before he attacks, uh, Euron attacks. Uh, we got that dialogue with Tyrion and Varys where they're talking about Danny's state of mind, and um, you know where their loyalties lie, and that that becomes a big theme of the episode. And they'll be they'll talk again toward the end of it. But as they're talking um, around the corner, <laughs> um, Danny's up on the on on Drogon. And um, oh my gosh, I mean, this came out, out of, of nowhere. nowhere. And again, this is the moment I was talking about the beginning of the episode. I did not expect this at all. This suddenly, is this is the red wedding. You know, this is and just this is one of those gut punches that Game of Thrones pulls where everything yep. seems fine. We've been celebrating for like a half an hour. I mean, we are we are in such a celebration state of mind and we're ready for the next step. And we've completely forgotten that Euron has his fleet of ships and is heading to attack. Yep. And he ends up hitting Rhaegar three three or four times and ends up yeah well once in the chest yep. and it's like wow that looks really bad and then once i think in the wing yep. and then puts him down with one through the neck yep and just falls straight into the water and then suddenly they point their uh their scorpions at, at the ships and they're taking them out quickly Tyrion has to jump out of the ship and i mean it's just a complete 
mess, this, a massacre. Like, they were not expecting this attack at all. Yeah, this was a great action sequence. In my mind, this is better than anything we saw last episode. I loved, I loved the suspense of it. I love just, I love the chaos of it. Euron and his fleet now have these new and improved scorpions, and every oh, yeah. single ship of his is is armed with these so we saw one before that kyburn had made and now we're gonna see a whole lot more they have dozens they, of them. Tons, Even when they get to king's landing later they're on ships king's they're land- on the castle yeah. they're everywhere and so uh yeah it's it's uh it's a slaughter they take out uh, almost all of the targaryen ships and are i mean they take out all the ships and they take out the un- most of the unsullied and i think like it looks like 20 people wash back up on shore and one of them is missing and that's Masande. Oh. They uh, end up capturing her. Heart-wrenching with Grey Worm yelling out for her. <sighs> Especially since he sacrificed a ton of his army to, you know, emotionally last last episode to, you know, to be with her still. You know, it was Yeah, it's this, crazy. this is what they do. This is this is what Game of Thrones does best. And again, uh, you know, it's not it's not all about just killing the characters. It's about keeping on the edge of your seat and surprising the audience and making them second guess who's safe, who's not. And I, I just, I think this is really what we kind of expected from the last episode, like, a sh- you know, shocking moments that came out of nowhere and they executed that perfectly by luring us into a false sense of security and then just going nuts the last 20, 30 minutes. Yeah, it was insane. I, I aside from Aria last episode, one of the moments where I just was like, "Whoa, wait, what? What happened?" <laughs> like I yeah. was not expecting. Mean, like you said, you're. It's like everybody's just calm, everything's moving along, and then suddenly, boom, you're, you're in it, that's, and then that's... you realize that they're all screwed you know yep, that's but. the game of thrones that's what we're used yeah. to so i loved i loved that just that overall feeling of of no one is safe and anything can happen because we're yeah. dealing with some crazy stuff and and so that was uh, a fantastic scene out on the water and of course the the Greyjoys. i mean they're the masters of the sea he's he's yep. i mean he knows what he's doing and he's promised cersei that he's gonna kill these dragons and and kill all of the opposing forces and he's trying so hard to you know win over cersei they have masandi and uh now uh, the targaryen ships are basically all gone so they're kind of screwed and and they have to return to the war room and just jumping ahead to the next scene danny is totally distraught she's lost another one of her children another kid if if she hasn't already if she wasn't already distraught in the last season losing um you know losing a dragon one of the three already now she's just lost another so she is down to one dragon uh and so it's drogon is is the last one one. standing and so she is out for blood and now again very really is one that that has this talking to with her that i told you i would be honest that if i disagreed with anything you were doing that i would look you in the eye and tell you and he said this is not the right way to do it and she is seeing nothing she she is seeing red nothing but red yeah that's what i was about to say she's seeing red and she's ready to burn down king's landing yeah and this is what we've all this is the problem this is what we've all been alluding to here is that she when it comes to the throne and it comes to her dragons, there is nothing she won't do to protect them. And so she's willing to put aside, uh, you know, protecting the people, protecting, protecting her forces, protecting the innocents that are at King landing. They're, they're trying to tell her Cersei, as we've seen, Cersei is, she's bringing the people in and trying to win them over and say, Hey, I'm protecting you from this attack. And so they are all, 
uh, in the Red Keep because Cersei, again, I mean, she's playing the game very well. She's bringing all the people in there. And so if if they're going to attack, they're going to kill a lot of innocents. And they're trying to tell Danny that we need to really think about this before we do it. And Danny is hearing none of it. Yeah, it's we've we've said it all along and like you said she's lost her dragons the main problem she's ha- i mean she's losing it this episode that everything seems to be yeah. crumbling and and like you said earlier we've had 7 seasons of her building up her her armies and her rule and now she's being recognized as the queen uh, of the seven kingdoms by a lot of people and it's she's she's so close now but she feels like she's losing it all and losing her one of her two remaining dragons was kind of right. the last straw. I mean, with everything else crumbling around her, and now she's realized she's she has to take that throne because no one is going to respect her unless she sits on that throne. And so now she is dismissed. Very, she is gone against her advisors, uh, better judgment, and she is heading there. And she only agrees not to immediately burn it down because of what Tyrion says that if you know we should right. we should try to we should ask Cersei to surrender, which we all know she's not going to, but he says we should ask her to. And she says, well, the people should know that I offered before all this goes down. Bloodshed. But yeah. so basically it's an, it's an empty gesture just to put it out there that she asked, but we all know that nothing will come of that. And, and so she does decide to go out there and which will eventually um, in the next couple scenes will lead to the, the uh, final scene. Yeah. Before we jump into that, um, did you catch, I think it was Varys that was talking about charging in the King's Landing. Somebody was talking, they mentioned the Dothraki, but we lost all of the Dothraki last episode, right? Well, I, th- did you I... catch him mentioning that, mentioning them this one? Like there's still like a viable option to, to, in the attack. on well, King's that's, Landing? I'm a little, yeah, that's one of the odd things. And again, with us recording these instantly after the episode's over, we don't have a lot of time to research this stuff, but I thought that. And also, as I mentioned at the beginning, I'm pretty sure they lost. It looked like well over half their army, but then they say they have oh, half yeah. their forces. So I'm just wondering if. I think there's some kind of an issue with the scale, with what they've shown us and what they have. Because yes, I would say that most of the Dothraki are gone, and I haven't gone. seen any Dothraki. Just from that, I haven't seen any Dothraki week. hanging around. Right? And, you know, it's like. But I swore they mentioned them tonight as as people that that will still fight. Yeah, because I, I, like, I thought it sounded, the Dothraki have been wiped out. I know it sounded like from their conversations that we've lost half the Dothraki or something. But it's like, what? I didn't see half of those lights come back last episode. Yeah. You know? So <laughs> I saw so Jorah and like three people. I'm not quite sure, and we can definitely follow up and clarify that at a later point but yeah i at this point i'm really um confused by that and also when they show up to king's landing with like 12 people i'm i'm like what (laughs) are you what is it and i looked and i thought maybe in the background because a lot of times there'd be more yeah and i thought because a lot of times they focus in on the foreground and the background's kind of blurry i'm like oh well there's a whole army there behind them and katie's like no those are trees yeah i'm like wait what (laughs) we thought the same thing we're like that's like 12 that's, people outside of King's Landing. What are they planning to do here? And I get... Like, they could just wipe out yes, the queen and everybody yes, right now. Yes, that's my point. And so I get that, that, yes, they were going to have this talk, but do you really trust Cersei to, uh, no. to play by the rules, right? Like, I thought... No. I'm not kidding you. I thought that this was going to be the huge twist, the huge thing. I thought Cersei was going to kill all of them instantly. Yeah, all of them would would have been a bit much and completely blew my mind. It would have mind, been insane, but, like, but I'm, I'm thinking... When here, it gets to the point where Tyrion's at the gate, I'm like, oh, man. 
Cersei like, doesn't. Cersei's not gonna... She doesn't play by the rules of war. So like when when these generals go out to talk with one another, and uh, in this case, it's the the hand of the king. So you have Kyburn walk out, and you have Tyrion walk out. I sorry, I know I'm jumping ahead, but when no, when fine. when these they two come to talk, it's like. Do you really think Cersei is going to, you know, play by the rules here? And I really thought she was going to pull pull out another card because if she, yeah. if she was smart, I mean, at the end of the day, if she protects her throne, I mean, she could have taken out the queen, she could have taken out Tyrion, her loyal advisor. Like, I'm not really sure why she didn't. Honestly, like, yeah. it, it really is boggling to me that she would adhere to any rules of combat at this point but before we get there did we want to mention the final talk uh, between Varys and Tyrion we've been alluding to them questioning their loyalty what kind of gets me like I understand Varys I've understood him all season even though sometimes he seemed a little bit slimy just like Littlefinger Mm -hmm. um, I've always always liked his responsibilities for, I can't think of the right word, his uh, dedication to the realm, rather. You know, he, he doesn't serve, because Tyrion makes a jab at him, like, how many kings have you served? Six yeah. or whatever? He's like, I've I've only served the realm. And, and he said that. he's That's been his whole thing throughout the You know, I never believed him, but until this episode. So I, oh, I've, really? well, yeah. I've always thought Varys had an ulterior motive uh, in my mind, because as you mentioned, I've always thought of him as a little finger type. And I know little finger yeah. is the slimiest of the slimy, but with that being said, I always viewed them as kind of this you know playing on the same field and so i know that varies talks about all this but i'm always thinking like really is he he's not really in it for anyone but himself it always made me question his motives but in this episode i'm like wow he he, explains it really well he really is a good guy like he is trying to protect the people and he talks in this scene about saving the innocents that you know we when it comes down to it he's saying putting danny on the throne is going to cost the lives of a lot of people that uh, even though they don't recognize her, maybe they don't even care who sits on the throne. They are still going, a lot of them are going to die as a result of who sits on the throne, no matter if they know it or not, it will change their lives. uh, And a lot of them for, you know, for the worse. And, and uh, yeah, this, this scene was really good. Uh, It was a fantastically written and performed scene. And again, it, it made me, respect varies i i did not really see him this way until this yeah it's a good contrasting scene between him and Tyrion because Tyrion, i mean they respect one another gratefully you see it throughout the whole series how much they respect one another um countless scenes together where you know they they might be coy with one another and 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 test each other but you know that they respect one another and, and it becomes more apparent as the series goes on but um what was interesting to me of course um Varys going into his, you know, his responsibilities and his beliefs and what he'll do for the realm was wasn't surprising to me. We've heard that before, but he went more in the depth, more in depth this time. But what surprises me is Tyrion, um, how loyal. I mean, loyalty is loyalty. Like, and he's and he says in this specific scene that you know you pick somebody and you remain loyal to them. But like, he's smart enough to see the the path that Danny's walking now. So it. I, I don't know how loyal he's going to be by the end of the series. But, you know, it really, uh, to your point, I I was questioning his loyalty because Tyrion's another person who, as, I mean, he's one of my favorite characters. As good of a person as he, I believe he is, I do feel that he has tried many times to kind of save his own butt and he'll do whatever it takes to keep himself alive. And so even though we know that he is loyal to Danny. I wouldn't put it past him. I guess I don't think he'd betray her. No, I don't think so. But I wouldn't put it past him, like until this conversation, to maybe 
switch sides or do something to maybe protect himself or do what he thinks is right. But in this scene, it really showed us that he is willing to stick by Danny. He believes, yeah. he, he believes in his queen as he says. And so this was a really great scene for both of those characters because we really, if we didn't already believe that they were one way or another, I think this solidifies both of them. I think it's a good moment to jump in real quick. Uh, one of my friends commented on, on that post that I made saying that uh, Gina, my friend, my friend, Mike's wife, Gina, um, who's also my friend, I should say, cause she listens, <laughs> but, uh, Varys will probably decide who sits on the throne. And I, th- and I've been saying for a while that I think that Tyrion could luck his way into it. And I think this scene is one of those major scenes where, where if that is the case and Varys, you know, works his way to the, being the decision maker that he could, this could be Tyrion's <laughs> path to the throne. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that, that doesn't even, as much as we've kind of joked around about it or like, Oh, I'd love to see Tyrion on the throne because he's stumbled his way into all these positions and everything. And, and I do think he's one of the best characters. I, I, as far as, uh, honor and just being a good person, I think John's up there. I think Tyrion's up there. Uh, you know, I mean, then people like Sir Davos, but I, uh, I mean, honestly, I would never (laughs) say like seriously that he would be on the throne, but of the contenders, put a couple bucks on it on Vegas, right? Yeah. But, uh, (laughs) but a couple, the, the two people that I think that could have a real possibility of sitting on the throne that deserve it would be Tyrion or John. And so as, as much as I believe that I can't see Varys or other I don't know. I just, I can't really in the end seeing it happen. Uh, so I didn't get really a hint from this conversation, but what I really gathered from it again was their characters and that various obviously will have, he will have an influence, whoever it does end up being. Yeah, uh, for but sure. But I also feel like it may be a little foreshadowing of Tyrion dying for Danny because he's so faithful to her and uh, so loyal uh, that I hope not because I really think she's gonna she's gonna be the Mad Queen and, and I know. like I don't want I don't want him to die in vain. And you don't want him to pick the, that... the wrong horse in the race. I totally right, get it. Yeah. Uh, and and we're both on board with uh, Danny. And uh, you know I I will say this though, as much as we've said that Danny's turning into the Mad Queen, and as much as I don't agree with her rash decisions that she's making, I can understand a lot of them, and I can also sympathize with how she's feeling. And I, again, I'm, yeah. I think I'm echoing what I said at the beginning of the episode, but Danny has sacrificed a lot and she's climbed up the ranks and she believes or believed all the way up until episode two of this season that she is the rightful heir to the throne. And she's done so much. And it seems like as far as she's come and, and all she's sacrificed, Jorah included, that now it seems like it's all just just falling through the cracks. Yeah. And like Vera said, she's making mistakes like and. I, I sympathize I, with that, though, because it's like she's, yeah. she's not getting... She's entitled to make... Yeah, everybody makes mistakes. Well, and, but. And, and she's just done so much, and, and it's whether it's because, as Varys talked about with the Lord, she's a woman, which is something that she's been struggling through, getting the Dothraki to respect her, getting getting the, the Masters of Marine. This entire right. series, she's been struggling you know, she's sure. been fighting against uh, being a woman, first of all, and even getting that respect. And now it's like, look at how far she's come. And she's still falling into that same old pitfall of, of not getting the respect of other people. And uh, it, it just makes me feel bad for her. So I can I can understand why she's um, reacting this way. It would be a very hard thing to struggle with to see all this uh, that you've worked so hard for 
disappear in front of you. Um, I don't want her to go this direction and I don't like what she's doing. But again, I mean, can you at least sympathize with her? Yeah. I like when we addressed it at the beginning of this, of this season, uh, like everything that she's done, everything she's been through, like she's had nothing but good intentions. Like I know like this throne is mine. I'm going to free these people over here on the other side of the continent or of whatever the, whatever there she's at. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm losing my words right now. It's getting late, but like, yeah, she's done incredibly good things, freeing the slaves and, and, and just everything with good, good intentions and being the best ruler she could possibly be. And I be. think but she still she does, up, you know, that's, that's yeah. what I told Katie. I said, even though I think she's taking the wrong path, I do believe in what Tyrion says that all her intentions are good. Yeah. And I think she's just in this, this panic mode right now. And, and we knew she would be when she finds out that, that, that claim that she's held on to for seven seasons as hers and hers alone would be challenged. Uh, she's lost two of her children, her dragons. And um, she sees everybody around her aside from her army uh, and a few, you know, she'd lost Jorah and, um, and she's got Grey Worm, whose only emotion she shows to he shows to Masandi, really. But like everybody else around her, just clamoring over John. You know, John's got his whole family there. She's she's pretty isolated outside of her army. I mean, she's got support, but she doesn't have like the camaraderie of of, of the people. And she and being in the north has really got to hurt her confidence because she she feels it. And you can see the tension as we've addressed several times between her and Sansa. You know, the lady of the north. Um, you know, they're going to follow the Starks and which includes John and like seeing that, you know, that all that happens tonight, especially in that celebration scene, like, you know, she's scathing cause she doesn't have that kind of support. She has the followers and the, and the armies, but she doesn't have like the, she doesn't have the respect. Yeah. yeah she doesn't have the respect is the best way to say it. Yeah. There are people that are bending the knee, but they don't respect her. Yeah. That's when it comes down to it. They are scared, right? Like they, they address it with Tyrion. Sansa says, you're scared of her, aren't you? And he says, yeah, the ruler yeah. should inspire a little fear, blah, blah, blah. But that's, I think in a nutshell, that sums up the people are scared of her and her dragons. They're scared yep. of her because she will roast you. <laughs> Literally, she will, she will kill you if you don't. <laughs> As she did with the Tylees. Right? Yeah, I mean, when she, that's the first moment where I was thinking, I think that's the very first moment where I thought of Danny as like, that's not the best decision to make. Like it might've worked against the slaveholders and stuff, but when you're over here and you're trying to win these people's respect, you don't kill, even if you know, you're going to have people that defy you during your reign anyway, should you get the throne, but you don't just instinctively burn them. you know, give them the choice to bend the knee or die. Well, like, and you know, this is something, so this has been really helpful going back and, since last week's episode, I went back and watched seasons five and six completely, which I wanted. I want to go back when this is all over and watch the entire series. But I thought I want to fre- refresh the very recent seasons that are leading up to this just to get all the little details in. And I never noticed this before. I didn't remember it, but it really it's Lady Olena that convinces Danny that she needs to rule with a with an iron fist. Lady Elena being another woman in a high power position when she talks to Danny and after uh, after Cersei blows up the sept and she says you have our support and they're talking she she has this talk with Danny which is actually a lot of foreshadowing knowing what we know now about how you need to show them who's in charge and how you need to be strong and 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 rule you know it, it's I don't have the exact That's words true. but it reminded yeah. me which I never and a lot of it is because we didn't know what was going to happen, but going back and watching sure. that, wow. Like that is when I think it really, she, she took what Lady Olena 
said and to heart. And uh, that's around the time where we really saw her, uh, Danny, change the way that she was ruling. Sure. Um, so just an interesting tidbit that that from another woman of power, she she took that I think really seriously it's a tough thing to watch again. That's all I really want to say about that is that Danny's making all the wrong moves, I think. And, uh, I, I hate seeing her go that route. Uh, and I can understand why she's doing it, but I think it's only going to end in, um, well, heartbreak for, for her and John and, uh, a lot of deaths. Yeah, I agree completely. I think, uh, I, I just, I think her days are numbered. I mean, or I mean, she could turn it around and, 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 kill the people that we do love you know like i i i just i can't I see don't a happy ending I wanted... to this i can't I, <laughs> yeah it, it, in the end i this is here's the deal so game of thrones is not a happy ending tied up with a neat little ribbon type of show i don't think they're going to completely destroy us but if if danny does not end up on the throne next to john with their sweet little babies and their puppy direwolves and you know a happy ending or whatever <laughs> I think what's going to happen is Danny is going to sacrifice her life. Uh, maybe not oh. like I thought before, which was like Danny killing Sansa because she's threatened and then John having to kill her. That'd be so tragic. But maybe what's going to happen is that Danny will realize uh, that, that she needs to sacrifice herself uh, for the betterment of the realm. And I can see Danny, you know, saving John's life by sacrificing herself. And so that way she dies, but it's doing the right thing and she gets that redemption. Yeah. I mean, if you put it that way, I, I'd have to see it play out and I think I could get behind that, but as I can't of right see her now, just changing her mind and being happily. No, ever no, after, no, no, no. You know? I, I don't see her surviving. Yeah. Um, but like if, if she went out, you know, re- it, it's just hard in these last because it like I've said every episode I think so far that like there's just so little time left. It I I don't know how. Well, I want it's to it's see next it. episode it, for it, sure. Whatever it is, yeah. This episode was great, but we didn't see a lot of um, you know, we didn't see a lot of resolution for the whole King's Landings. I mean, it's all a setup for this sure. next episode, which yep. is going to be insane. Whatever it's going to happen, I I believe, and, and again, we don't have any we don't know this for sure, but I believe that the big resolution to this entire series is going to happen next episode. And I think episode six will be kind of a, a wind down, uh, setting things up, you know, wrapping things up the best that they can. Half of it, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're going to find out for sure what happens, but let's yeah. get to this final scene back. We've kind of set, set the scene up. We got one more first. Uh, we should probably talk about Jamie and Brienne's goodbye. Um, yes, this was what we said. Uh, we're talking about earlier with how tragic it was because Jamie Jamie has said, "I'm going to stay with you," uh, th- with with John leading his forces and them trying to take the ships out to go to King's Landing and everything. Yep. Uh, Jamie says, "I'm going to stay behind," and of course, it's because of Brienne and and they spent that night together and and you can tell he really loves her. Yeah. But uh, once he finds out, once he once he hears about Cersei and what she's done, he uh, he has this moment where he's he's sitting by the fire. He looks back at Brienne, and then he and you know he hightails it. Yeah. So he goes out. He's setting up his horse, and Brienne Brienne comes out like, "What are you doing? You know, don't leave me here." And I don't remember the exact dialogue, but he goes into uh, a thing like saying, "Listen, everything I've ever done." Well, she says you're a good man. Yeah, yeah. And he says, "You think I'm a good man?" And then. Goes yeah, into he goes into a, like everything I've done for Cersei. I pushed a boy out of a window. I strangled my own cousin with my own two hands, all for Cersei. You know, Cersei is hateful, and so am I. I think is what he said, and he jumped on his horse and left. And 
I don't know what it is, but when Brienne cries, man, it, it hits me. <laughs> like last two episodes because, ago when she's knighted, you know, there's such a powerful yeah. moment for her. You can just see the emotion. Like Gwendolyn Christie is so good. And she is, and Brienne is one of the most genuine characters absolutely. with no ulterior motives. So right. uh, when I say that John and Tyrion are really good people, and I mean it, but Brienne has never once faltered. No, She's never all. once done something selfishly. Whole, she has put her life on the line over To fulfill and, her oaths to Catelyn and anybody that she's committed to, she 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 fulfills that, you know? She is the... Epitome of honorable. She is the best person. Yeah. When, when, you know, defining character traits and being noble and being truthful and all that. Yeah. She really is I can't is think a of pure. a better person than Game of Thrones than Brienne that since, you've, since you put it that way. Pure. She's pure. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Um, so, yeah, it, that's why it hurts you, hits you so hard because of all she's been through and all she's finally gained. Uh, you know, she's, she's grown up as being... Uh, uh, you know, a, a very large woman and she wants to, she wanted to be a knight and she wanted to fight and everyone put her down. She finally became a knight, which seemed impossible. And then you have someone looking at her and, you know, the way that Jamie does and, you know, Tormund looking at her is lust, but Jamie <laughs> yeah. looking at her is love. The and, big woman. Yeah. And that's something that, again, that she didn't ever, I don't think, expect to find. And so she's gained all this. Right. And then losing one huge piece of that equation, riding off like that, um, it was heartbreaking. And so very much it was. That's why, aside from it just being them being perfect for one another, them ending up ultimately together only to be ripped apart is that much harder to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's like I said, it's one of those things with Brienne where I was just like, oh man, this poor, I mean, she's been through so much, I mean, not as much as some other people, but like staying on the noble route and then just that, that scene ending with her crying as Jamie's riding off. I'm like, just let her have a happy ending, please. Right. And so before we get to this final scene, we did gloss over it and I I don't want to go too much into it, but after Euron takes out uh, the dragon and, and all of the Targaryen fleet uh, he returns to king's landing to tell cersei and cersei says oh that must have been great and everything and you know again he's he's talking about how he wants to rule and and kill everyone for her and then she ends up saying she ends up telling him that the child she is pregnant with is his is which his right there's no chance in hell that's real uh, that that it's really his. I mean, I'm sure it's Jamie's, but yeah. she wants him to believe that it's his, you know, Kyburn gives him a wink. And if it's still real, I, to me, it's just, a if tool. it's real, like, we're, we're not going to see her give birth or anything. Cause of just the time crunch that we're on. Yeah. But like, to me, it's just a tool. Like it was, she used it to try to get Jamie to stay. Now she's using it to, to lure, uh, Euron into whatever he, he, she wants him to do. Cause that's what she knows. That's what he wants is, is, he said in episode one, I'm going to put a little baby in you, not knowing that she possibly already has one, you know? Well, but, the, uh, yeah, totally. It's, I, I'm still on the fence too. I don't know that if it's real or not, but if it is real, it's definitely not your odds, but no, he, absolutely. Uh, yeah. but she wants him to think that now I'm going to go back to that theory that I think we talked about it on the second episode of the season that I absolutely love the theory of, of uh, Cersei giving birth to a dwarf, to a dwarf and then him yeah. killing her in childbirth. Yeah. If if there's a chance that Cersei makes it out of this, if we have that uh, tragic ending where all of the good guys, the quote-unquote good guys, die and Cersei is on the Iron Throne, the way that it certainly will end is is you know it leading up to the aftermath of that and her giving birth and then tread and then her dying. There could be a time lapse in that final, like you said, because it's supposed it, the last episode's got to be some kind of cleanup. 
you yeah. know, maybe there'll be some kind of time lapse to where, cause she's not even showing that she's pregnant right now. Yeah. So. so that's what I think. I, I, I don't want her to win. And oh my gosh, I hope everyone doesn't die. And Cersei ends up winning or at least thinking she wins this game. But if she it does manage to defeat them, mark my words, that will be one of those, you know, huge surprises where it's like, oh my God, she won and then flash forward and then she yeah. ends up dying. But let's hope it doesn't come to that, Brad. Yeah, I agree. They, they, it even goes back to the first season where, and they talk about it in the inside the episode after this, after episode four, where uh, she tells Ned in the gardens of, of King landing, a uh, King's landing. If you, when you play the game of Thrones, you either win or you die. And, yeah. and she's been playing this game as well as everyone since season one. So, I mean, she's got two options and she could very well be, it could be either one of them, you know? And the fact that they were talking about that specific scene again, in the inside the episode makes me wonder, you know, she she could win. <laughs> Don't There's want her no, to, but she could win. It, what it's really alluding to for her and all the characters, there there is no middle ground. There is no like Tyrion in this next scene, and we're about to wrap it up. In this in this next scene, when she uh, when they go to do this empty negotiation, I mean, we all know that no one's going to surrender to one another. But but basically, Cersei's saying, okay, we want Daenerys surrender, and and Tyrion comes up and says, we want Cersei surrender. During all of that there's no way that either of them will surrender meaning okay if you surrender we'll let you live but you know i'm really going to be the one on the throne it's you die or you win i think that's exactly what they're setting up because there is no there is no middle ground happy ending it's there will be you know if you can call it a happy ending there will be one for one side or the other but yeah there's there's definitely no uh no tie or no uh you know, no runner up. I'm getting a little worried about, about the, uh, about Cersei uh, on the throne, but I know because I mean, well, and, and I will with this last scene, we're going to, I mean, honestly, <laughs> you have to hand it to her as much as I hate her. And as much as you love to hate her, which is what makes the show so great. Yeah. She's played the game better than anyone. Yeah. She's, there's, uh, there's no one out there playing the game better than her. Absolutely. So in this final scene, we've already pretty much set it up the whole time, but uh, they have Masandi dead to rights. She's up at the top of the wall. They've got, 12 15 huge scorpions pointed at uh, Daenerys and her 12 unsullied that she's got there with her uh and Drogon is yep. is back in the background cuz obviously they don't want to you know bring him right up to the castle so that he gets shot down or, or appears to be a threat. Uh, so they approach and uh, Masandi is bound and she's right at the edge of the wall. And Tyrion, uh, Tyrion walks up to meet Kyburn and, and they do the, the, the negotiation that, like we said, it obviously was not going to go in either of their favor. And Tyrion then, once he decides, like he's like, I'm not talking to the right person. Yeah, he just he just walks past him, like just flexes on him. Like, all right, I'm done with you. Yeah. I'm going to walk and talk to my sister. And, and did it, you think Tyrion was a goner at this point i thought this was gonna be the like 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 we see him walking to where you think he's safe and i thought all of a sudden he was just gonna get it if they wanted to to really blow our minds that would have been Tyrion's last one because he's put way too much faith in cersei this season i i don't understand from the get-go like how why he keeps telling advising i mean it caused a rift with him and danny at the beginning of the season of why you know i believe my sister will send her army i believe my sister will do that mm-hmm. you know like why are you putting that much stock in your sister who has hated you your whole life and it's evident to everybody but you that she's going to betray you she's not going to do what she said you know and Cersei i think it has no reason not to kill him at this point yeah so when he walks up there like you know the audacity he had to just like whatever dude and walk past him and start walking to cersei you know they all knock their bows and and 
and aiming at him and uh cersei throws her hand up and i'm like if she drops her hand to shoot you know to just to kill Tyrion here it would be astounding like i i'd lose my shit i'd lose my yeah, mind you know like exactly and i and i thought that's what they were gonna do and because honestly, they had like you said they have no reason not to there's 12 people there and well, they could yeah. effectively stop the war by cersei's sitting on the throne literally she's at the capital at king's landing yeah. she is the ruling queen for i mean as far as she's concerned and all the people at king's landing she is the 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 queen of the seven kingdoms. And so now you have a force in open rebellion approaching King's landing to attack the, the queen. Like I believe that to me, it's so ridiculous that she did not kill them all, or at least Tyrion. Um, and, And I'm not trying to say I hated the episode for this or anything, but she showed mercy by not taking them out because she's the queen. She's there. Yeah. Like, like they're approaching her in, in open rebellion. So, um, I just think stepping back, like, yeah, of course we're like, oh, Danny or John or, you know, they're the right flair. We hate Cersei. And Cersei is like, oh, I'm the rightful queen. You know, we've been watching this in, as an audience. But when you think about the way things work, uh, if she would have mowed them all down, what would have been the consequence of that? John and them would have shown up. Their queen would have been dead. Uh, Tyrion would have been gone. One of her trusty advisors, like... I just I can't see why she held back. Yeah, you know what I mean. What what was at stake? Like, why would she have not just taken them all out? Yeah, I, I really don't have any. I'm sure there there is some logical explanation um, that somebody may may have. I don't I don't have anything to that. I, I I don't know. The only thing I can think of is honor, and we're talking about Cersei here. Like, you know, for someone that's been playing the game so hard. Um, I don't know. It just—it's really a head scratcher yeah. to me, and in uh, a big surprise. But I guess I mean, you know, if they if they fired at all, I mean, they do have the scorpions. But I mean, at the risk of Drogon, you know, Daenerys just telling Drogon to burn them all, like her, you know, her dad, burn them all. You're like, I mean, yeah. I feel like I don't think I don't think Drogon would have got anywhere near that castle. With, so? with the amount of scorpions, no, there's not a chance. Did you? See, I mean, I saw. They, yeah, I... they were able to. The the fleet was able to take out. Now I know that they weren't expecting it, right? Um, but they were able to take out a dragon like easily with with the amount they had, and and this castle had them all. You know, all throughout. And I guess with your question here too is like. <laughs> Aside from killing everybody standing in front of them, if they just shot all their scorpions at that dragon right now, then they wouldn't have anything to worry about. (laughs) If they would have just taken out, one, obviously the queen, I mean, that's a huge thing, but two, taken out her dragon, I mean, Jon Snow would have showed up, but they have the high ground, they have the castle that they're defending. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, to me, I don't understand the strategy behind that. I really was expecting a big shocker with this one. But uh, in the end, she, she goes up to Masandi and, and after Tyrion... Plays to her emotions. Like, you, she, they play the scene really well. You know that Cersei's not going to give in at this at this of point of the show with two episodes left. But, like, they, they play it off really well as, as Tyrion appeals to her emotions talking about her kids because she's right. And we've addressed it, too. Like, she's only ever cared about her kids more than anything in this world. And, uh, you know, you can see the distraught in her face and, and probably not consider it, but like, you know, like she, Lena Hedy was so good in, in, in this scene, I thought with, with Tyrion, the dialogue that Tyrion was giving her. And, uh, yeah, she walks up to Masandi and, and basically, you know, she puts her hand on her, on her arm and there's a, there's a brief like moment where I guess, 
of of hope, I guess, for Tyrion because oh, I thought she was getting pushed over. <laughs> so the did edge. we? Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> this was yeah, this was a lot more. Uh, this is a lot. I'm talking about from Tyrion's point of view, where like you know maybe he maybe he catered to you know to mm-hmm. her emotions finally or something, but Cersei you know just coldly tells her. If you have any last words, now's the time to say them. And we're like, yep, there she goes. And she says Dracarys, and uh, yep. then she, uh, the mountain, takes his sword out and takes a huge and swing. Whacks her head lops off. Lops her head off, yep. and both both halves, or not really halves, her head and her body separately fall off the edge of the castle. Yep. The look of terror in Tyrion's face, Danny's face. Uh, Danny turns around. Grey Worm turns around. Oh, so, I mean, so I mean, he doesn't see it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Grey Worm is uh, just emotional. He's a wreck, of course. And uh, Danny turns around and starts walking away. Like, I mean, it's on and it cuts to black. Yeah, that that's it. Uh, Danny's look of rage. Uh, it's probably the most the fiercest look we've seen her give like she is you know i said she was scathing at the at the celebration party a celebration at the beginning of the episode but not like she is now she is full dragon mode now well this is this is exactly what cersei wants this the whole reason that she did this she took masandi uh captive she knows that Masandi is her advisor and means so much to her. Right. And she wanted them to show up and she wanted to kill her in front of Danny. And now, now Danny is not thinking strategically. She's not, she, it's all rage and emotion. And uh, yeah, this is Cersei playing the game. Yep. And roll credits. And that's the end of episode four. So yeah, I, uh, which is called the last of the Starks, by the way. Yeah, I just refreshed that too. So, uh, yeah, Wikipedia gets it right every once in a while. <laughs> was it? Did it say that before we, uh, it was announced? It did. Okay. Yeah, it it did. So, uh, but yeah, that's it. I again, I really enjoyed this episode. I it was a return to form in my mind for Game of Thrones. As much as the my favorite episode so far this season, I think was episode two. I really like how they set this up, and we got all sure. the characters together. There was some great writing and moments in that. Um, but as much as I enjoyed that episode, I don't think that I don't think any of the episodes this season before now have really captured that feeling and the range of emotions that we love about Game of Thrones. And this episode was everything I loved. There was the action, but there was the political side. There was the drama between our characters and all the conversations. When you think of Tyrion and Sansa, Sansa and and Arya and Jon and and Tyrion and Varys and all that good stuff with the plotting and the the whole Game of Thrones. Uh, And then, as you mentioned, jumping around, actually going to King's Landing and, you know, more locations um this episode had everything i love about the show and so i'm really excited i feel like it's i feel like it's going to have a really strong finish and i hope that's the case i think so too i'm looking really forward to the the last two episodes Uh, i think there was a lot of emotion packed into this one and i think that the suspense of what's going to happen was was played with really well in this episode with the conversations with Tyrion and Varys and uh uh, the Starks and John, you know, who, what, what's ultimately going to, what choices are they going to make? And I'm really intrigued to see how they finally wrap it up. Awesome. So, well, that's it for this episode. Uh, it's been a great discussion as always, Brad, and hopefully everyone enjoyed listening to us, uh, our immediate reaction to this episode. So if there are things that you want to add your two cents to, if you want to correct us on things that we got wrong or things that we may have missed, of course, we love to hear that. So you can tweet at us at all the spoilers. You can email us at the show spoilers at gmail.com, the show spoilers at gmail.com. Follow us on social media individually. You can follow me at Kevin R. Brackett and Brad, where can they find you? I'm on Twitter at Heineken, H-E-Y-E-N-I-K-I-N, and I'm more engaging on Facebook in the Real Spoilers League of Show Sharers group. 
Excellent. So yes, of course, uh, if you subscribe to the show, uh, show spoilers, uh, our sister podcast, real spoilers, and you can find that at facebook.com slash real spoilers, join the league of show shares. That's our discussion group that Brad mentioned. And if you're into more stuff than just game of Thrones, that's great. We talk about movies. We talk about other television shows, anything in pop culture, news, current events, uh, all pertaining to entertainment. Uh, it's a great place to do that. So join us there. Uh, but that's it for now. Uh, until next time, uh, I'm ready for an epic showdown next episode. So we will talk to you then. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.